Hi, welcome to Unrepresented, a podcast series that identifies and explores issues of representation through media, technology, public leadership, business, nonprofits, and much more. Today on Unrepresented, I sat down with Joanne Ortiz, Capital Metropolitan Transportation Authority, otherwise known as Cap Metro Supervisor, and committee member of, and a judge for, Latinita's most recent major conference, EcoChica. We delve into what working for a metro system in Austin is like, why she joined forces with Latinitas, and how her small town upbringing instilled a sense of community and joy. We may also have talked about what riding unicorns would be like, but that comes later. All that and more on Unrepresented. Hello, today on Unrepresented, we are joined by Joanne Ortiz, committee member, soon to be judge for Latinitas' upcoming conference, Eco Chica, and Cap Metro supervisor, paratransit eligibility and customer service. Hi. Hi. How are you doing today? How's your day, your weekend been? Oh, it's been great. The sun definitely helps. Nice yes. Sunshine. <laughs> it's been really bright today. It's really nice outside. So, okay, so before we get into Cap Metro and the conference and everything, could you tell us a bit about your upbringing, where you were raised, and sort of how that shaped where you decided to take your career? Yeah, so I grew up in a little town just south of San Antonio named Jordanson. Um, if you ever heard of Poteet, Texas, which has the Strawberry Festival, which has been going on for decades, we're on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> okay. everybody, everybody stops at Poteet, we're on the other side. <laughs> Uh, it's just a nice small town, you know, it was, uh, it was, what was really special about it is I have about a hundred first cousins and a lot of us lived near my grandparents. We actually lived on the same block with my grandparents and several of my aunts and uncles down the street. So it was a, a family affair. I had a relative in every grade um, from when I started in kindergarten all the way through, you know, 12th grade and beyond. So it's just really neat that, that the, the, town knew uh, a lot of us and vice versa, not just because we were small, but a small town, but also just a big family and everybody looked out for each other. So it was really special and unique. That's something I always treasure. That's amazing. That's such a unique like upbringing. That's crazy. So it was like, you just always felt your communal Aspect. Absolutely. And being one of the babies of that hundred, um, it was always kind of fun because, you know, if my brothers picked on me. I always had a cousin to back me up and yeah. be, <laughs> take care of little me. <laughs> Whoa. So like it literally was a hundred. It wasn't like that's not an mm -hmm. exaggeration. That's so cool. No, that, wait, yep, my dad was second to the youngest of six, 16 kids. And um, so I, we had several aunts that had a, a large number as well. So yeah, it was, it's kind of neat to have, yeah, it's kind of neat to have that big on my mom's side. They had a lot of kids too, but we laughed because we're like, oh, y'all are only 60 something. It's okay. <laughs> That's crazy. That's so cool. It's amazing. So not only are you going to be an Eco Chica judge, which is really exciting, but you're a committee member as well. How did you first hear about Latinitas and what drew you specifically to this conference? Well, yeah. So when I came on board with Cap Metro, it was just before the pandemic. And I had realized that there was, I wouldn't say a lack of representation. We just didn't have as many Hispanic groups that we were engaging with. And we had some of the others, um, BIPOC communities, but we were really, we were missing that little piece. And so just doing general research, I came across Latinitas and the more I read about it, the more I was falling in love with their mission and everything they did. And 
shortly thereafter, you know, tried it, we did sponsorships, started growing a little bit together. But uh, it was when Beatriz, one of the staff members, asked if I knew somebody who could present to the robotics team. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, Project Connect, we have engineers. Yes, let me grab one of our wonderful engineers. And she met with the class and I got to sit in and talk with some of the kids and just seeing it firsthand at the at the experience they were getting was just so thrilling for me. I was like, okay, I need to, I need to do more. And she's like, well, you know, we have a, a conference coming up in a few weeks if you want to volunteer. So I was like, oh, I'll go for a few hours. I'll check it out. I even got some of my colleagues to sign up and volunteer too. And again, I fell in love with it. The speakers were amazing. The participants were fantastic. All the volunteers were excited. I mean, I was fangirling over some of the speakers. It was just so neat. I felt like I was, it was such a different atmosphere than what I had growing up. And I'm a big nerd. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, growing up, I always wanted to be a scientist. And I had, like I said, I have a large family, but I was still very unique, very different and didn't really have that, that kind of community to support me in my class in, in the elementary school and, and junior high when I was really starting to get interested. And so it just completely touched my heart. And next thing you know, I was helping with the next conference. I was helping with the gala. And then Eco Chica came up and um, I was asked if I would like to be a chair, development chair on the committee. And I was like, sure, wherever you need me. I was like, wait, have we done an Eco Chica before? It's like, no, it's the first one. I was like, oh my gosh, even better to know that I'd be part of a groundbreaking, you know, kind of conference for us. And um, and with as much as we do in sustainability with Cat Metro, it just, it was a perfect fit. And I was just so excited to to be a part of this too. So I would, yeah, I'm just, I you could tell I get excited when I get passionate about things I love and, and it just kept, keeps growing and growing. The more I do, the more I talk to the girls, the more I talk to the volunteers as well. Um, all of us that have helped on the committee and the different times, we all just have such, such a passion for it because we see it happening in front of us and seeing our young women and non-binary being able to experience something that we didn't get to experience when we were growing up. And I'm a lot older than you. I could tell by my gray hairs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it is just that time. You're just like so excited that there's something being offered there for all of these young women and that just wasn't there before when we were growing up. So it's just, it's just beautiful. It's just really neat. So I continue to fall in love with the group every time I do something new with them. No, this it means a lot to hear that. I you touched on something of like you didn't grow up with that. I grew up in Houston, so I didn't have this either growing up. And it's so special to see it firsthand to see these girls like ha- taking pride in their culture and kind of connecting the dots between culture and STEM and representation and that everything is important. All of it is like connected. And it's like it's a discussion that they might not have if like this didn't exist, but also if like you existing didn't and you weren't there. Like, it's just I appreciate you so much. Also, just curious, what do you guys what have you guys done in the committee in terms of like Eco Chica? Like, what is a day to day? How did it start? How did it feel? How was was it? (laughs) Yeah, I think for us, it really was how do we partner with those groups, those businesses that may not have that same kind of exposure that some of the larger companies have when it comes to um, sustainability. We were trying to identify uh, not just uh, sponsors and and donors, but also who might provide food and things like that. So we were doing so much research 
and just trying to find these places and hoping to get um, connect them with us and just to have that that larger connection to the community and even though we could of course we can get everybody on board but to be able to get so many mom and pop places to donate things um smaller businesses that again wouldn't have had that same voice and then of course we did get a few that were a little larger that you know we're grateful that they had a voice and they were able to share some with us things like that but on the day-to-day it was just learning about our community even more and, and who's doing the work to be sustainable especially here in austin it's it's a big pride for us to be able to be some of the first people to do ABCD. Cap Metro, one of the first to have an all-electric fleet by the time our uh, transition is done. And it's something that hasn't been tried in other communities. They've done a couple of buses and pieces, but they didn't have a plan to go fully electric, et cetera, like we do. And it's those kind of things that just, you know, when you learn more about other companies, other businesses, other industries doing it, and then it's starting from our young ones, like Ico Chica, just, that's what, like you said, ties it together, brings it all together into a, a, a nice big bow, I like to say. I'm a girly girl, so I like the big bows. Mm-hmm. And- <laughs> no, oh my God, same. I love, no, yeah. We love our nerdy girly girls. We're here. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of Cap Metro, the Capital Metropolitan Transportation Authority, could you speak on your career journey so far and how you ended up in your current position? Yeah. It was real easy. Actually, I was stressed out. I was working for the state and was very unhappy. It was just a very different vibe and feel. And this position opened up at Cat Metro called Community Engagement. And I'm reading through the description. I said, wait a minute. I do that all the time for when I volunteer for different groups. Um, I was a Red Cross volunteer um, after the Bastrop fires for several years. And I've done, you know, other kinds of communication and engagement with some of my church groups and things like that to where I'm like, you can get paid for this? Wait, what? Nobody told me. <laughs> and I had such a, when I interviewed, I had such a connection with the managing director. Well, her title was manager, but she was more of a director and, and really took a lead role. And um, it was our interview where I just felt like I was home and that it was a place that I wanted to be and work for and was just I, I was thrilled. So it took a little bit by the time she was able to call me and offer me the position. But again, it was the timing was perfect. And I, it was just it's such a beautiful way to come into an organization, knowing that they have similar values as you, that they want to do better by this community, and that you have a chance to be a voice for that community it was really what clinched it for me that um, this would be a place that I would want to be for a while. That's really special. So you you said you were like you wanted to be a scientist from the time you were young. What was your like literal to college trajectory? Like what did you major in? Did you how did you get to this point or did you did you go to college? <laughs> oh yeah. So I knew I was going to college since I was in the second grade. I'd already decided it's like I'm gonna be a scientist, I'm going and The only in-state school I applied to was UT. Everywhere else was outside the state. So NYU, UCLA, and and everywhere else, but not Texas. And so my counselor was like, just one, just apply to one Texas school. It's like, fine. (laughs) And I I didn't have the money to go to the other schools. I mean, just plain and simple. I had finally decided on NYU and, and Boston University and in the East Coast. And I was like, but I just couldn't afford it. It just was too much. So I was like, well, I guess I'll go to UT. And it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. I've had a lot of family things happen where I needed to be close. I needed to be able to go home and things like that. And it gave me an opportunity to 
live the big city, but still be able to maintain my little small town feel for a while. And when I was in college, I, I mean, I loved, I was doing all the groups. I was in American Chemical Society. I was doing all my science stuff. And I was taking in my just a regular basics English class. It was American literature. And I've been a reader since the moment I could read. And I was sitting in class one day and said, wait, you know, if I ever went and got my doctorate, it would be in American literature. And I went, wait, something's wrong with this picture. And the fact that I didn't want to just learn more science and keep going in that field is what struck me. I was like, and it had me reevaluate everything that I had always worked towards. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to change. And I switched over to English and um, got my uh, minor in communications. And during that last year, when I was just finishing up just, you know, hours, I was like, you know, I should just stay and get my bachelor's in communication because that's where I'm strongest is putting my literature, my knowledge and that into speaking roles, not just, you know, writing it out. I'm not a good writer. I never have been because I'm an off the cuff speaker and that's where I'm natural and that's what I enjoy. And so I stayed and, and that's what I did. And so that's kind of where from there, it's just been building on where it kind of led me to here to, to finding the right path because I'd spent so much time just thinking about being that scientist and discovering new things that here I am at a, basically starting from zero and then trying to find what would work for me. And they said, I always did stuff on the side, but little did I know I could get paid for the things that I love most. And that's where I'm here now. That's how I got me here. That's so amazing. I always love asking that question because I feel like when I was younger, I would see people in roles and I would be like, but how did you get there? And I like, I, I changed my major a few times. Like I think a lot of people do. It's, it's usually not what you thought at 18 you would be doing forever. And I just, I appreciate you saying that because I just, I was just curious. <laughs> okay. But on a related note in this field, as a woman, what has been your experience as a woman in this field? Have you faced any unique challenges or opportunities? Well, you know, it's interesting is at the state, it was very challenging, even though I had a lot of female mentors, leaders, but in the end, there was still a resistance. Um, yeah, when I was able to transition over here um, that last year, we had a new female executive commissioner and the first one actually for that area. She was amazing. And I was just like, you know what? I can keep doing this. It's not just good. It, even though I was feeling still those challenges, you know, and being able to get my voice heard, things like that. I was like, she did it. I can do it too. And then coming in here and meeting somebody like my uh, managing, my hiring manager, who was amazing, as I mentioned, and knowing that I had a voice and she kept that going. She's like, you have a place here where we listen to you. And it's the same courtesy I try to give to everybody that I meet. But it wasn't just her. It was everyone in the department. Cat Metro has been a truly unique place for me to work in that the leadership, regardless male or female, have said, if you want to learn more, let us know. If you want to do more, let us know. And my first week there was in the wrong room. And the chief of staff said to me, oh, if you want to stay and listen in, feel free. And I'm thinking my mind was blown. I'm like, here's the chief of staff and I'm just a little coordinator being allowed to stay in this big room with her. I mean, it was only her and a couple of people because she was going over a project she was working on and she was opening the door and it's things like that where here at cap metro that's what i've been blessed with and the women leaders here are just extraordinary um we recently promoted uh, Dottie watkins as our ceo and president who started from 
the very bottom. She was a bus driver, a bus operator when we were in college, and now she's made her way up. And it's people like that who not just remain true to themselves, but know what it's like to support other women. And again, the men that I've encountered have been just as positive and uplifting as the women. And it's been a tr truly different experience here at Cat Metro than I've had in other places. Yeah, I feel so spoiled that this is my first like long-term job and it was a fully like Latina women owned, women run everything. And everyone instills you with so much like, confidence and that ability that you're talking about of like, I trust you. If you want to do this, let me know. We'll figure out how to get you to where you want to go. It's, that's an amazing thing. And especially so deserved in your case to like get to a place where you feel that way. That's amazing. And I'm glad you're able to start there because now you know what it can be like. So if you end up someplace that's not, you can be like, Haha, I know what works. <laughs> I know how yeah. to be. Mm -hmm. You know, honestly, yeah. Being that you've worked so closely with the metro system here, did you grow up in a public transportation like area like New York or something? No, you didn't. You you grew up. No, 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 no. I had nothing. Yeah, we had the school bus. And even then, you know, it's the drivers were people we knew and our teachers and things like that. So it was very it was very different when I came to Austin and I did not ride the bus until I was a sophomore because I lived and I worked on campus. So I didn't need to go very far or my friends had a car, you know, it was always something else. So uh, what I found and <laughs> I guess I should preface this was I'm, uh, if you haven't noticed a people person, um, <laughs> I tend to get, yeah, I get energized by people, um, but they also are drawn to me, sometimes not the safest people either. And the drivers would, the operators uh, on the bus would actually keep an eye out for me. If they saw someone seem to be bothering me or if they saw that I was uncomfortable, they would keep an eye out and they'd make sure that I was safe. And that's really what gave me the confidence to use it more often and to really be out there. And, you know, if I took, if I was on the wrong bus, so that's okay, it's going to turn back to where it's, you know, it's going to come back around where it picked me up at anyway. It was that kind of mentality but it was the operators from way back when that really gave me that it's okay feeling and it's not going to be a problem and then to start working here years later I was going to say decades later but it, it's true too <laughs> decades later <laughs> um you know to still have yeah. to still have that same feeling that you know people <laughs> you know they still care about you and and working for the system and I see it every day I see the ones that are frustrated and I see the ones that are like you know what I'm frustrated but I'm still going to do what I can to keep our people safe and things like that and our operators don't get enough uh, credit for all that they do um, but uh, yeah I, I started off without much transportation in my life aside from mom driving all the cousins around right. <laughs> she was the taxi cab <laughs> That's so interesting. I grew up in, in Houston, but I lived for four years in New York and it is a very different oh, vibe. Wow. They are not looking out for you there. There was a lot of... Is that why of, a lot of people walk? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's just, well, it's also crazy. You can't like, it will be eight minutes in a, in a subway, which is good versus 30 minutes if you drive. Like, it's just very oh, wow. ridiculous yeah. like that. It's just not realistic. But yeah, wow. You saying that is so interesting because like there were so many times where there were scary men and there were like a lot of people sleeping in there or like I would I went to college there and every morning without fail, there would be a man ranting at eight in the morning about why X, Y, Z is the savior, like screaming in your thing. 
And we often would do something where like, there's like a, a thing where like, if a man gets in and they're screaming, then at the next stop, you just move to the next train. Like, it's just, you oh, don't bat you an eye. It's yep. just like, well, okay. <laughs> it's Here's the process. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that can help. But that is so... I love that about Texas. Love that they they care. I know, right? They (laughs) do. They do. According, so actually, according to your company, which I guess you know, (laughs) Cap Metro is working (laughs) to ensure accessible services for people to continue to live and be part of their community. How does Cap Metro prioritize accessibility and inclusivity in its overall transportation services? And what steps do you take to ensure that all riders can access and use public transit? Or not you, but. Cat Metro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and me too, me directly. Um, so, you know, one of the, like, and I mentioned about engagement being a job that I didn't know we could do. That's one of the, the blessings of this position is if you look up the title of community engagement, a lot of times you'll get a lot of things that are just marketing and basically it's just convincing you to use their product or whatnot. Here at Cat Metro, community engagement is about getting feedback. It's about understanding our riders. It's about finding those trends or concerns, really getting to be a voice for the people themselves who are either want to ride it, currently riding, or don't ride at all anymore, and they want to know why. Cat Metro has done a really good job about building this, um, this area of engagement to where other cities can actually look at us and say, wow, how did you do that? And how are you getting all these smaller demographics and BIPOC and different groups to be able to come together? And in doing that, we also built out our um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging area. And our director, she's not new anymore. She came during the pandemic and is phenomenal with having a background within the, the city and the county. She knows what happens here and i think that's what's important is that a lot of cap metro the staff the leadership a lot of people have been here for a long time and can contribute to the to the thought analysis of it's not really the only way to say it when it comes to how are we approaching the community how are we able to get out to everyone the best way that we can I personally like to try to use a matrix of sorts and trying to see, okay, well, right now we have a lot of Latinos, but how, you know, how do we uh, engage more of our um, African-American brothers and sisters? How are we reaching out to our Christian community? How are we reaching out to our Muslim community and our Asian community? And just trying to think of all, for lack of a better word, the boxes that people are put in when you're doing something like this there tends to be one over another a lot of times when it should be everyone. And um, again, I think this company does a great job of trying to do that and be inclusive. And with accessibility, which is, again, one of the reasons I came over, I didn't mention this before, but I came over to paratransit to continue to learn about our system, to continue to do more and grow. Um, That again, this company is great about wanting to expand what you want to know as well as utilize the things you already know and I think that's the position I'm in here and we have our system of demand response and doing pickup service and all these other kind of things as well as accessible we really try to make sure that we have um, vehicles to take people where they need to go but we also have we have somebody who is in charge of system-wide accessibility so this person isn't just looking at our vehicles and our policies but they're looking at okay how does this road match with the route how does how is somebody able to use a sidewalk we in our own department have assessors who can actually go out and see if uh, somebody's going to be at a specific location or needs to be picked up at a 
specific location? Is it safe for them? So there's different eyes looking at it. And it's not just, okay, what we say goes, it's this community of uh, transportation experts that can take a look at it and say, and our accessibility director is uh, disabled. He actually knows the entire system. He rides everything. And so it's really easy for him to be able to say, look, y'all know what my limitations are, my barriers. This is a big one. We need to fix this. And he knows his stuff inside and out. And it's amazing to see him at work because he is so diligent to make sure that it's equal for everyone and not just for people that have the same disability right, or right. with us saying, hey, you know what, y'all's policies, they're great, but hey, let's take a look at ABCD. And it's that kind of outside view that really helps us stay inclusive and ensuring our accessibility to all. That's amazing. That's, yeah, I feel like so many metro systems were established have not been updated, it seems, in a lot of places. Right. So it's incredible to hear that we're doing all of that, like that, that the city of Austin and Cat Metro and all of it, like that's really great and really, especially coming from New York, <laughs> refreshing. <laughs> you know, yes, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, the amount, like, I mean, not even just for wheelchair users, but just in general, like the lack of accessibility, especially when in that city, that's the only way you can trans, you can move about really the quickest. So that's, that's amazing. And having someone that has that lived experience, whatever that may be, is just a really great lens to have. So what are the biggest changes or improvements you've seen in paratransit services over the year? And how do you see them evolving in the future? Yeah, I think one of the biggest changes is just simply, it's become more on the forefront. It's not just, oh, we need to accommodate a few people. It's, you know what, we just need to make sure this is happening. Um, we got to see one of the electric buses, the new electric buses, and the way that the wheelchairs would be secured so much better. It's sturdier, not moving around as much. There's a little cushion in the back, so they're not bumping up against the rails and things like that. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And it's just the first step. And what I see in the future is just much more accommodation for all all people to be able to, whether it be, I know some of our items, some of our signs stuff have Braille, but uh, not just that, but maybe even it's, um, maybe it's different lights, different colors for our uh, hearing impaired where they can see a light and know something. And those are the kinds of things that I see coming in the future um, and hopefully sooner than later for a lot of these things where it's not as... Um, I think about five, 10 years ago, all of this seemed so far away, but now it's like when you see it up close and we're talking about AI all of a sudden and how much more integrated it's becoming, it's like, I can't wait to see what happens when that gets integrated into the bus system and how that can be used. And I know people are already talking about it around the industry and trying to figure out, well, how can we use this to, the, to our most ability? And I can see that being a huge mover for accessibility and, and our services and how people are able to utilize it and be much more independent they, than they already are on our service. Yeah, that's I feel like just when one person sets a precedent, then everyone is like, OK, well, they're doing this. We have to do this. And it just makes it normal. I, I agree. I think it's going to all happen. Accessibility. I feel like with the iPhone, a lot of accessibility was rapidly like increased. And now, yes, it, now it's the buses. That would be that would be super cool. I, I can see it, especially like that you said the lights, because like your phone can do that with the flashing light. Mm -hmm. 
It just is... makes it so much easier because it's hard. I think what people forget, I mean, able-bodied people forget is, yeah, we have the signs at the top and we're even getting VR screens and things like that. But Not VR, excuse me, TVR, which is just a, basically a television screen um, that'll be at the top of the where the little um, signs are that says where we're going and things like that. But they're at an angle. So if you have a vision issue, and even if, you know, you're looking at it straight on, you're still at an angle for some people, depending on where they're sitting. Um, and it, if you have just something blinking or just some kind of notification or color, that's going to be easier to identify. It's like, oh, okay, that's my stop. I better ring the bell, as opposed to trying to figure out what the sign says or continually asking the driver, okay, can you let me know when we're here? Because that happens a lot too. Let me know when we're close or they're telling them where to go. But if you have that opportunity to reduce some of that and that the person can actually just, like I said, be a little bit more independent, it doesn't seem like a lot to, to us, but it's so much to those who utilize yes that. and i mean because it's as amazing as a tv or anything is it's still asking of that person like you have you can't be distracted you can't be on your phone you have to be looking at this you have to be it's just it almost makes it like their responsibility when it's like well you're the bus you should be able to have more things you know so i yeah easier access to see and understand what's happening around you and it's easier for Definitely. everyone like no one's gonna know if you don't know you don't know you don't care but if you need exactly. it that's great so now, fun questions. <laughs> um, Those were fun so questions. Is... I'm such a well, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you thought so. <laughs> we came up with them just for you. <laughs> I, I had fun. <laughs> what is one personal or professional or more goal that you are currently working towards and how do you plan to achieve it? I would love to become a director within here in Cat Metro. And one of the things that drive me, and I've had several people say this to me when I came over to paratransit, especially is simply, it's about the people. Everything I've done in my professional life has been about the people. That's my goal is how do I make things better, whether it be for my staff, for our writers, for our community. And as a director, I'd have more ability to do that, to be able to say, you know what, this isn't working, we need to change it. And I think that's kind of where I got a little bit um, stuck in previous positions because I wasn't able to one, advocate for myself the way that I should. You know, those of us who grew up Latinas, it's sometimes hard. You know, we have a we have a lot of gusto and a lot of passion, but when it comes to something like that, we're usually the ones who take the back seat and let our others shine. And it's like, wait a minute, I shine too. And so coming here to Cap Metro and seeing the women that I worked with and and again the men that support them be able to say, you know what, I can advocate for myself. And having colleagues tell me to advocate for yourself. So I kept eyes open, just trying to see how can I continue to grow and help other people. And that led me here. And now I can actually say that like in a few years, I, that's where I want to be. I want to be a director where I can manage not just a team of folks that have a similar ideology that I do when it comes to helping break down those barriers with our community, but to have the, the ability to just say, you know what, we have to do this. Let's just do it and get it done yeah, <laughs> you know, no. yeah as opposed know, to sit back and <laughs> just that drive to be like I could do that 
I can do it. I don't have, I have red tape, but it's not as much as if I had it when, you know, at the very beginning when I first came in and uh, having that kind of support around you, like I said, a company like Cap Metro is definitely a place where I hope to grow that. I think it's one of those that already recognizes that in people. And, uh, and I know they've recognized that in me in different ways uh, by some of the projects they've had me on, but to be able to have my own seat at the table to be like, okay, here's the voice for for this community right now. I know that will happen. And I'm so excited for you because I see that like, sometimes it's like you just, you see what you could do. And you're like, if only I was there, I could get this done. I and like, you see it in a way that no one else can see it. I know it will happen for you. And it will be much deserved and much amazing stuff will come out. I know. So how do you or you're making me blush? No, (laughs) genuinely, like I see it. I love it. No. And it gives me so much hope for Cap Metro in general. Obviously, it's a great company. You work there, so it's amazing. But <laughs> but I just mean like I love seeing like women leaders, Latina leaders that are capable and know what they're doing and are in that position where they're showing that not just for representation. Representation is amazing, but like for yourself, like get your flowers. You deserve that. You worked for how many years? Like that is the position you deserve. Do you or how do you prioritize self-care and wellness in your daily routine? You know, that's, it's such a strange question because it kind of, kind of goes back to my personality of being a people person. So when I make people happy at work, because I'm here most of the time, uh, as opposed to home, when I make people happy at work, when I'm able to to empower them to do things for themselves and um, support their goals and support their dreams, that makes me feel good. It makes, makes it like the whole circle being filled and like, I don't feel like I need as much outside of that, but of course we all do. We all need to step away. And so some of my volunteer work, I eat Latinitas helps. um, And some of the other things that I do that just really bring joy, not just to other people, but that's what brings joy to me. And I do have to be careful because I do tend to overextend myself. And I learned that a long time ago that, you know, I want to say yes to everything, but then I, lose myself. So I have to make sure that I have a balance and that I, you know, I give just enough to where I'm happy, but at the same time, feel like I'm contributing and then being able to say no to myself. It's not even anybody else. It's just to myself to say, yeah. hey, you got that. You're, you're good. Um, and you know, a family is so important to me and I still go home as often as possible. I have two great nieces. Um, they're twins just turned three. So they're a little rambunctious, um, a little wild, which I love. Um, and so out of my, uh, six nieces and nephews and only one of them has kids. So these are the first two out of those six. So we're excited and mixes have, you know, it's like they're little again and seeing them grow. And the best part of everything though, is to the best balance it's just listen to a little George Strait, like any and every time I can. <laughs> I had a friend once tell me who was like, okay, so it's God, your family, and George. I was like, no, it's God, George, and then the family. They're used to it, they know. <laughs> Have to, has to be in that order. <laughs> It does. It does. They understand. They've lived with it for a long enough time now. They know. So what are some of your favorite (laughs) hobbies or activities outside of work and volunteering? Yeah, I love to read. I do love to read. Currently, I'm reading multiple books. I've got transportation books. In fact, I've got two here on my desk, uh, one on transit-oriented development, um, Borderlands, which talks more about uh, our folks coming into, you know, Arizona and how it kind of grew there. And then I have leadership books that I like, 
one of the other leadership books that I have here is um, it's called Learning Leadership, and it's about the abuse of power in organizations. But I love fiction too, so um, okay. just didn't want. I was like, I, this sounds a little like work. I told though. you, nerdy, nerdy. I'm telling you, <laughs> <laughs> that surprised me. But I do love learning. I mean, I love reading uh, just regular books too. So, oh my gosh, I forgot his first name, but Quan, he wrote um, the um, the Asian series. Oh my gosh, now I blanked out all of a sudden. Oh my gosh. Is it Crazy they, Rich Asians? Yes, thank you. He wrote yes, the, the trilogy yeah. and he has a new one out or not new anymore, but that's the, the one I have slated to read next. I just have to finish the ones oh, I'm yeah. on. <laughs> but I love his work. So I read those and I, you know, I love 20s and 30s American fiction. I am huge Hemingway Steinbeck fan. Um, that's what my daddy had when uh, we were growing up and so it's kind of just what stayed with me those are the first ones I read on my own not school shared things like that but so yeah I love that that southern air that real air Uh, I I say real but I don't know if you call having my real since he was an expatriate but again nerdy part talking I'll stop there but (laughs) I do like I do like some of the lightheaded stuff too yeah yeah I mean hey whatever whatever makes you happy that's awesome yeah (laughs) I told you I'm full blown. I'm total nerd and I'm proud of it. I take ownership of my nerdism. As you should, <laughs> as you fully should. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's so yes. impressive. Whenever I hear people read like Hemingway, I'm like, wow, that's so cool. As I just like sit here with like my rom-coms. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those are, that's what I'm saying. Those are great too. Oh my gosh. They have, but they can't be too like over the top. They got to be subtle. Yeah. That's why they're yeah. fun and enjoyable. You get a good giggle. You got a good read yeah actually i might i'm with you girl i'm with I you i might read the crazy rich asian series maybe because i love that movie i'm telling you you'll love it i love books usually more than movies so like and and the three they put the three into or yeah well two and a half into the movie so it flows really well like they did a good job the way they adapted but Ooh. i think you will i think you'll like the series better you know, honestly, because I've been on a like biography kick lately, but it's kind of boring me now. So on, I, I, st- <laughs> you might convince me. I'm going to Target later today. I literally might just buy it. Like, like. do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then I have a very silly question. <laughs> Since you work in transportation, this is the last question I will have. Um, if if you could, outside of a car, if you could travel in any type of transportation forever for the rest of your life we're talking limo subway mm. bike unicorn what are, <laughs> <laughs> what would your well, you preferred know the answer would be, you, you know that'd be the unicorn because you know that's just cool <laughs> or, just Pegasus, way too cool. or are they the same there you go. oh a debate in and of itself oh my gosh you're right yeah you have the wings the no wings then you have the horn does a pegasus have a horn i think I don't think it does. And that's why I was going to say unicorn, I think has both. So we'll stick with unicorn. Okay. 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 We'll stick with unicorn. But if I had to go with realistic modes of transportation. Which <laughs> <laughs> is what car do you want? <laughs> I think, I think I would do the train because of how, well, uh, I haven't ridden on the light rail, but I know our red line is so smooth. And like, I just, even if it has its little bumps, it's not, it's just so comfortable and, I don't know if it's just us because I haven't ridden on many trains except for ours, but it's so comfortable and to read and do other things and just, yeah, sit back and whiz by other people and cars. Yeah. I, think it'd be a train. I, I get that though. Cause I miss as 
insane as the subway was i miss it just in like the walk you did the 10 minute walk home is like really nice like listening to music that own personal time there's something fun about public transportation but i get that i'm too scared of horses to do a unicorn so <laughs> that would not be <laughs> my mode of transportation but i support you in that endeavor <laughs> and i hope it happens <laughs> for you <laughs> me too <laughs> We'll send you a pony unicorn. You can test out a pony unicorn. You know, I, it would be cute. I, I could uh, do that. Wouldn't it? Yeah. I so would be less scared. On a starter one, a starter unicorn Move kind up. of thing. You know, yeah. You get one more. Horse. Yeah. Maybe, maybe one day. But thank you so much. I, it has been amazing having you here on the podcast. You're incredible. And it was so great talking to you. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was this was so amazing, too. And, and again, all of you have guys have, have done such an amazing job with Latanitas. The entire team, volunteers, the girls, everybody has been so amazing from day one. And I just can't wait to see where y'all go next you know right now it's Ico Chica tomorrow the world that was the incredible and hilarious Joanne Ortiz I would like to express my deep gratitude to her for coming onto the podcast and being so involved in our organization she was so kind and hearing all that Cap Metro is doing especially in the context of other metropolitan cities is really refreshing until next time I'm Camila de Jesus and this has been unrepresented <laughs> <laughs>